Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Very excited host today because Tamara Ray is back. Last time we talked to her was pregnant and expecting her second baby and uh, shared her kind of traumatic first birth experience. And, you know, we were getting closer and closer. And actually, towards the very end, I was at the hospital where she gave birth maybe twice a week at least. And I kept bumping into my patients at labor and delivery. And I was like, is it Tamara? Is it Tamara? But it wasn't Tamara. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tamara, welcome back to the podcast. Hi. And super congratulations. I can see with my two eyes that you're holding the baby, so I know <laughs> the ending. <laughs> but I have no idea what took place, how you had the baby. So let's talk about the um, end of your pregnancy. How was the last few weeks of pregnancy? Um, last few weeks, I was coming to you a lot. I was having a lot of nerve pain in my back and he kept kind of getting stuck in my hip and I was just having kind of lots of nerve stuff and lots of precipitous labor feelings and it definitely felt intense but it wasn't contractions so I was definitely ready at the end for it, yeah. to, be, for it to be done. Yeah, it was it was taking a toll on your body for sure. And by the way, you still, this is why you're one of my favorite people, no matter how uncomfortable you were and how much was going on with your body, you always have a smile on your face. I don't know how you do it. It makes me feel so bad about myself. I'm like, all right, I don't care. That guy cut me off in traffic, big deal. Because your first birth was crazy. I mean, you were planning a home birth and you started off having a home birth and you had a doctor at your home birth. And then right away, he didn't like what he saw. You ended up ambulancing to the hospital and it turned out to be you had a, a placental separation. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was pretty dangerous, emergency C-section. And then um, Penny was in the NICU for a while. And it was super touch and go. And then, just because I listened to the first episode already, you know, as much as you wanted another baby, you didn't necessarily plan to have one right away. And then you found out you were pregnant. And uh, once you ordered the pizza, it's going to get delivered. Exactly. <laughs> so when you were getting closer to the end, I mean, was there any part of you that was worried and reflecting back on your first experience? Oh, for sure. I mean, I would say I was honestly like on the line of surrendering to just knowing that it will be different and then also just being really, really scared and kind of being very scared that I was going to die and also scared to leave Penny at home and be away for a few days because we've been in the pandemic and I've never left her ever <laughs> since we got home from the hospital with her. And yeah, I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And I was scared about how it was going to start and if it would go as fast as the time before. And yeah, so I was, if I'm honest, I was like very scared, but also knew that it was going to happen how it was supposed to. So it's kind of like a very weird place of just like, oh, I'm scared. Nothing I, mean, I can do about it. <laughs> I did not pick up the fear in you. You know, towards the very end when I was seeing you pretty much weekly, I did not pick up the fear in you. And 
you know, given how traumatic your first experience was, it was just kind of amazing how there was such a calm about you on the outside. I mean, I guess maybe it was different on the inside, but again, a calm and a smile and just like a gracefulness about everything. And, um, you know, as we're getting closer, it is even hard for me to like not want the best for you, but also be a little bit nervous. And your plan was who was coming with you to the hospital? Uh, Dad, um, my husband, Jarrett. He was coming. And luckily, we don't really have family in LA. I'm from Texas. He's from Atlanta. And we haven't seen family all year because of COVID. And luckily, my mom got here just in time. And we did the whole COVID testing. And we were negative. And luckily, Penny was in the best hands ever. Yeah. So it was... Yeah, and she was excited, and I don't think she missed us at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was crazy to finally leave the house and then be in the hospital. Yeah, so, I mean, I was literally there twice a week at that hospital. I had a patient who was in labor and delivery for extended bed rest, and I was going regularly to see her. And, you know, I had you and a few other people that were due. We talked about it. I was like, I'm there. If you need anything, just let me know. And I literally did bump into other patients. Uh, I spent a lot of time there, but I did not see you there. And then I think the next thing that happened was either you texted me or I saw it on Instagram, one or the other, but I was just... I texted you. You texted me first? Yeah, because I was thinking about you even when you were there. And long story short, he was cluster feeding so much, I didn't even have the brain to text anyone, let alone sleep. But, But yeah, I texted you and you're like, what? Are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I still, I deliberately did one on your birth story because I want to find it out now. But it was just pure, pure tears of joy. And I think both times when you texted me and then again when I saw it on social. Okay, so how did things start for you round two? Things round two, I mean, things round one were like so crazy and crazy fast. And then things round two, I would say it was very gradual every day to where Every day, things would kind of start, and then I'd be like, is this it? And then it would stop. And I was like, all right. (laughs) And then it it would be the next day. And so I totally get now why women go to the hospital thinking they're in labor, because I was like, oh, this is what that is. It's like, the crap, do I go now? Do I wait? Do I go? Do I wait? And then I waited just long enough, and then nothing would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it finally, on... Well, the day he was born, I woke up and it kind of all started again. And I went on a walk and it was definitely getting more intense. And I was like, okay, well, I'm moving. So that makes sense. And came back inside. And usually that's when everything would just calm down or stop. And just kind of kept going. I was like, okay. And I called my doctor and definitely when the contractions were coming, he's like, I think maybe you should head in. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I don't want to, I was like, I don't know. I was like, I maybe, and I don't know why I was worried about coming and then being sent home. I just didn't want to do the whole leaving process just to come home. But where were you in relation to your due date at that point? I was at 39 weeks. Okay. And Penny had been born at what week? 36 and four. Okay. So now you're like in very due territory. Very due very big, very ready. (laughs) And so was there anything about that call to the doctor? I mean, because you had been having contractions for several days. That made it different? Was it just that they didn't go after the walk or were they progressing? 
I mean, it's weird. They weren't progressing like how they did with Penny. But I also, I mean, they were at like a very low level to where I was just like, maybe this is nothing. And I'm, I don't know. It was like one of those things where even though I had done it once before, I was kind of embarrassed because I just didn't know. And I was like, I don't know. And my husband was like, is this it? I go, I'm not sure. (laughs) I wish I could tell you. Well, you only did Um, it once before. (laughs) And um, this was already two and a half weeks later than that one. So it's obviously (laughs) a different, you know, experience. It's hard for anyone to know. For sure. And I mean, I would say since they kind of kept going, I was like, I have to be a little bit dilated. Something has to be going on. I was like, it has to be. I was like, I can't see nothing. Had you been checked prior to that, a pelvic exam? No. And not at all during the pregnancy? Your doctor didn't want to or you didn't want to? or um, Not at all. Because I wasn't really having symptoms previously. And before, he's like, I don't want to check you and like send you into this sooner. And then I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm good. Let's wait. Let's yes. wait until uh, some- there's a need. Sometimes one of the two is very eager to do it. Either the mom who's ready for this thing to move along and hope somehow thinks that checking will make a big difference, or the doctors sometimes really like to know. So I'm just curiosity. I, I think there's not much actionable intelligence from that exam. Oh, you know what? Let's take a quick break and find out. Because you go to the hospital, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah is a great cliffhanger. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. L.A. Berlin. We're talking to Tamara Ray. She's 39 weeks, baby number two, and contractions are happening. Doc says, why don't you come in and check it out? But then you're like, I don't want to go and come home, but you go. But I go. And at this point, it's definitely not crazy. And honestly, they're slowing down to where they were like seven or eight minutes apart. They were coming sooner. And that happened actually with Penny, too. As I was progressing. So it's very confusing. (laughs) Where they start to space out instead of getting closer together. (laughs) Um, As you're driving to the hospital and that's happening, you're starting to think, ah, they're going to send me home. This is not the real deal. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I packed up the whole car. I was like, like, we already did the whole goodbyes and did everything. And Jared's like, well, we'll just go. Worst case scenario, we'll come home and the car's packed and we'll do it again later (laughs) next time so the car ride was fairly comfortable i mean yeah like Mm -hmm. we were listening to music and it was super weird to be in the car not with penny and jared's like this is the first time we've hung out without our kid in a year and i was like yeah so (laughs) pretty much no this is pandemic still Mm -hmm. so when you get to the hospital are there like pandemic rules 
Yes. So you have to park and you go through a different entrance to do a screening. You have to present as the pregnant partner. You present all your information before you even are inside. And then no matter what mask you're wearing, they give you new masks to put on top of it. And you go in and they kind of triage you in this separate little area before anyone will even see you. And But together, you with your partner? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're with your partner the whole time. And they did a COVID test up the nose, which was... Just you or both of you? Just me. Okay. And I was kind of surprised by that. Well, and they do the I mean, one up your nose. Is the idea that if you're negative, you don't have to wear a mask? No, I still was wearing a mask. Even though you got a negative test? Even though I got a negative test. And I think it was... I don't know. I, I mean, it, that would have been good to they, not have to keeps, wear one. They're just saying now that I think they're going to change it, that if you test negative, you won't have to wear a mask. But I was there not too long ago, and there was a bizarre scene where this very hippie dippy birth client was in labor. She put, like, glowy candles everywhere. It just had the music and the lavender, and she's just kind of, like, not into clothing. But she still had to wear the mask. <laughs> so she's like... <laughs> When it came time for pushing, she's pushing and just, you know, fluid everywhere. But at some point, she's making all these primal noises. Honestly, she said she wasn't really in pain. She didn't really feel that much intensity, but she's just making these primal noises because it felt right. And there was a moment where her nose popped out of her mask and, like, everybody ran into, like, the hospital staff was like, ah, her nose is out. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the weirdest thing ever. The weirdest like, thing to focus on of all time. Yeah, on her nose. <laughs> That's so, so crazy. So you had to wear a mask. So you go through the triage together. You go triage together. You get the brain tickle COVID test. And I'm hooked up to doing, I'm doing external monitoring given everything that happened last time. And he's doing great in there. And Is that I a mean, relief? It, oh, yeah. I mean, I was kind of like, we're going to get here and something's going to be wrong. And this is going to be crazy. And I was kind of just waiting for that other shoe to drop. It's like a constant feeling you have. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like looking and, and the contractions were happening and, and even more often than I was even feeling them, which was, I thought was interesting. And yeah. And uh, after a while I finally got checked and they were like, oh, okay, you're almost at four. So I'm gonna we're gonna call your doctor and I'd already talked to him, but he was obviously there calling to give like the green light for him to really come. Well, they want him to come up for centimeters. Were you planning to do a repeat cesarean or were you planning to do a vaginal birth? With everything that happened with the placenta with Penny abrupting and also afterwards the way it looked was very odd, having multiple lobes. On my very last, um, I did another very in-depth anatomy scan with him at 37 weeks. And, I mean, the whole time we could see that there was multiple lobes with the placenta. And they were just trying to pinpoint, like, where they were. And they were in so many places. And they're like, we recommend you do this C-section. They're like, it's a risk that you could, you know, have some separation with that it is in so many places use, or you may not at all. Mm-hmm. And that's not the most I, comforting analysis. And yeah, it was kind of like, no one could tell me like, and, the, and the, obviously I know no one can tell you that. So at that point we were planning on the cesarean. And that's so, why they called him at four centimeters. Like, yeah. 
before things pick up and you lose the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, they're like, okay, it's happening. And it's just a, I mean, a way weirder process to basically have people be like, in about 30 minutes, we'll be heading in and you'll have your baby in, in 35, less than... you'll be holding your baby. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is very weird. It, but um, yeah. But you're feeling contractions. I'm feeling contractions. But I, I mean, I definitely was like, had that same feeling of the time before where I was just kind of really in my body. And also, I don't know. It's like a, it's a weird space feeling. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was just kind of like almost in denial. <laughs> like it was really going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. All right. So what happens next? We go in. Oh, and I, I guess last time I didn't get to experience this, but I go in the operating room by myself and my husband doesn't come in until after they do the spinal tap, which the first time around was in an emergency situation at 10 centimeters. And it, that was the most unpleasant thing of all time. This time, super calm, getting to use like hypnobirthing as they do it. And it, Oh, this is your place in the epidural? Yeah. Okay. And, I don't know why they kick out the partner for that. Yeah, and so you're by yourself for that, which... And you're about to have surgery, and it's just, yeah, and you're getting all prepped. You're by yourself for about 35 minutes as they do all this. Um, But luckily, they had a nurse straight up looking at me in the eyes, holding my hands, and she instigated that, not me. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) 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 I really needed to hold someone's hands. And, yeah, and it started working very quickly, obviously. And they laid me down, and that's when you can't really see anything because you're on top of there being a curtain. You're also wearing a mask. So you're just like, all right. So you have a mask on, you have the, uh, the thick blue, bluish C-section curtain. So you can't even see over your chest basically. Nope. And then is Jared come back in at that point? He comes back in and I feel like anyone who's had a C-section, like just like the look in your partner's eyes, because that's all you can see is always like, the most surreal feeling because they're kind of like panicked, but looking at you and trying to comfort you and like, Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) And yeah, then it all happens super fast and it's weird because you can feel like the pressure of everything without feeling any of the pain. And I mean, you feel when your baby comes out, it's very wild feeling. And at this point your placenta is fine. My placenta is fine. And my water hadn't even broken yet. Oh, wow. Okay. And you know, is there some sense of calm now in your mind? Because like, this is it. You're already in the operating room. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to get into like Kind of. I would always like, and I don't know how other people are, but I was like very calm on the outside. But in my mind, I was kind of like, I could die. It would be rare, but it happens. And it's a very weird feeling to just be paralyzed and lay there. And it'd be a very different experience than kind of what I wanted, but also knowing that this was the safest thing and kind of surrendering to what was happening. And yeah. And so you feel like the pulling and tugging of your baby coming through? Like you feel like, yeah, it's like you feel like you're totally numb, but you feel the pressure of it. You feel them making the incision. It's almost like if you had to dream what it would feel like with zero pain, that's what it feels like. It's like a very weird thing. 
Like if, if your body's like a bag of sand. I mean, you had a lot of awareness this time. Did you have this kind of awareness last time? No. Even though the, I, I felt the baby come out last time, but that was about it. The whole thing was a little blurry. Yeah. A little crazy last time. All right. I want to get the uh, final details of this birth experience and then uh, new motherhood with two babies. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Tamara right now. Your first birth was uh, loaded with unexpectedness and just chaos. And thankfully, you and Penny came out of it okay after a very difficult start. Now, that multi-lobe placenta, you kind of at the end of pregnancy decided to do a repeat cesarean. And it's just smooth, it sounds like. You know, you get to the hospital laboring four centimeters. You know, your body and your baby are clearly ready to have this baby. Mm-hmm. And you get to have some labor, which, I, you know, I think is nice. And the baby gets to choose the birthday, which is nice. And then it sounds like a semi-surreal smooth experience where you're kind of feeling what's going on in a dreamy way rather than a painful way. A panicked way. way. <laughs> or a panic uh, way. Yeah. And then, so when you felt the baby come through, did the baby speak up right away? <laughs> yes. And I remember hearing penny cry three times and it's like waiting for that cry is like the longest second or however many seconds it is and i heard him cry i'm watching jared's eyes he's like doing this whole like trying to look at me and tell me without talking and look at him and do the thing he's crying they bring him to show me right away and then they move him back they were doing some stuff to him and I started having like a crazy shoulder pain which apparently is normal but apparently like if something happens with your diaphragm towards pinging into my shoulder pretty crazy feeling and I was like hey I'm having a lot of pain in my shoulder so then they like hit me with some pain meds oh (laughs) and I'm like Starting to feel like I was like, okay. Um, Wait, by mouth in an IV in a muscle? in the IV in the IV. Oh, in the IV. Okay. And shoulder pain disappears in two seconds. Oh. Um, and yeah, th- then they bring him back and put him right on my face and chest, and he was just kind of like chilling. And we were there for a while, and while they were kind of. I guess sewing me back up. I can't see what they're doing. I can feel some of it. And yeah, it was just kind of like this awesome moment that they weren't taking him away. I never got to do that with Penny. I never got to touch her or hold her right afterwards. And it honestly was crazy because he looked exactly like she did. Oh, wow. It was very crazy. It was almost like this weird thing of like, what? I was like, we've done this before. Like, I've met you already. But yeah. Was so that, that an that, emotional moment for you? For sure. Okay, like, I'm was, a little emotional <laughs> with you like, talking about I was, it. I was just looking at him, and it was crazy that nothing terrible happened, and everyone was calm, and there wasn't 100 people in the room. And, I mean, it was quiet. Like, no one was frantic. No one was, like, doing crazy things. It was just like, oh, He's here. 
You know, it's it's interesting that you say that. And during the commercial break, you said you just felt like you kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it just never did. Even when you were telling the story, because I always try to not find out any details until we talk about it on the podcast. So I'm hearing it for the first time with the audience. But I kind of also was waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I was well, like. No, no, no. And then you're like, no. And then the next thing happened and it was very smooth. I'm like, oh, and then what? And then you're like, yeah. And then that was pretty smooth. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was completely boringly safe. I love boring. And (laughs) boring, safe and amazing. Cause I, I mean, after that he was in my arms permanently, which was insane. Cause I don't even remember like I never even got to go into a hospital room with my baby. So it was just like all, everything was brand new after that. And I kind of didn't know what was next. It was like, Oh, last time we didn't do this. Yeah. You're in an interesting position also to uh, talk about recovery from a cesarean while also having a toddler for one thing. And also sort of recovery from an emergency cesarean versus recovery from a more, Less emergency. This was maybe not the scheduled date for your cesarean, but still certainly not an emergency. So on those two things, I kind of wonder what your experience was like. Yeah, honestly, that that was probably the most shocking thing to me. The first time around, the recovery was really hard because I was at 10 and definitely felt like the ring of fire stuff. I would say even immediately afterwards, I was kind of recovering from almost doing both, not doing both. And then this time around, everything was just so much smoother. Even in the hospital, everything just came back so much faster. I didn't have half of the pain I was having the first time around. Like the first time around, I was trying not to take anything for pain, and I was on pain stuff for over a week. And this time it was like a day or two after coming home. And I was up and walking, and honestly, I felt really, really great. So good recovery from the surgery. I mean, as far as I know, like, I feel like definitely getting home and doing the toddler stuff was when, I mean, in the hospital, it was almost like you're just resting. Like my only job was him and resting and eating and coming home with another baby is the harder part. For yeah. sure. How old is Penny? Penny, she was 20 months. Okay. So not even two. So she's pretty dependent on you still. Yeah, I mean, she thinks she's not, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in like the full-blown toddler mode. Or are um, they getting along with each other? Um, way better now. When we brought him home, she wasn't sad or mad, but she's always done this. Whenever another baby has cried, even if it's on FaceTime or if I've cried, she would cry. Hmm. And so every time he was crying she would start full blown like sad crying. Oh wow, interesting. And I was like I was like, oh no. I was like I wanted her to feel comforted in that moment because I knew he was okay. Ah! <laughs> Ooh. Oh, and as I say that he's coughing. Yeah. Little coughs. Hey buddy. And yeah, it was definitely a weird moment of sitting there like going, Oh, I have to like choose and luckily my mom was there for a big part of the transition of keeping her very busy and giving her so much one-on-one attention but yeah the hard part is not being able to like be everything to everyone and you're sitting there going oh like you have two pieces of your heart and it's pretty instant and you want to be 
in both places at the same time and have a clone immediately. It's hard to service those two <laughs> needy customers at the same time. Exactly. Um, and oftentimes that's what I hear people say, especially the partner who gives birth, is that transition from one to two is really challenging to get used to that element of two needed customers at the same time. And sometimes the non-laboring partner actually feels like two to three is harder because oftentimes that's the first time we have two needy customers at the same time. Exactly. You're feeding the young ones. So once you go out of the man-on-man defense into a zone situation. <laughs> exactly. Um, did oh. you inspect the placenta? How did it look? Oh, yeah. I used my same midwife from the first time around and did placenta encapsulation. And, I mean, she's incredible. And she took a bunch of photos for me the first time and really inspected it. And she did again, and it was crazy looking all over again. It was lots of very big surface blood vessels, lobes that were connected by like very thin sheets of fascia. Hmm. And the umbilical cord, again, was not directly connected to an organ tissue. It was connected to the fascia. Oh, wow. And so it was... Elementus cord insertion? I don't know. Okay. Um, we're, gonna do a, we're about to do a whole episode with a maternal fetal medical specialist on all the monitoring that we do in the third trimester. And so some of the things that we look for in terms of the placenta and the fluid and the cord. So look out for that episode. We're going to learn a lot more about it. So it sounds like, first of all, kind of gratefully amazing that your placentas like do nurture the babies through the end healthfully considering that they're a little funky looking. Yeah. And yet very lucky, like feeling extremely grateful that, I mean, they were monitoring me close because of my history. And then also because I had gestational diabetes, they were keeping a really close eye on the fluid around him and just making sure everything was safe until the end. Yeah, I don't know if you're planning to have any more babies. I hope you are. The world needs more little use, but I'd be curious to see if it happens again, like if that's just how your body makes placentas. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying, honestly. Like, I'm really glad, obviously, I did this cesarean this time, but it kind of makes me feel like going into the third one, I, like, just know my placenta would probably form that way again. Be the same. Yeah. Which could it's like, hey, we know this, <laughs> and there's all the other stuff you don't know. So, very grateful that he's here. Very grateful for all the amazing care. And I was glad that I chose to do the cesarean again. And very smooth. And we came home, and the hardest thing now is <laughs> sleeping. Yeah, or not sleeping. Or not Um, sleeping. (laughs) I am so, so grateful that your second birth went really smoothly. You know, especially you coming from the home birth background, wanting to do the home birth, um, going all the way to being so grateful that you could do a cesarean. And that's the whole thing is like we have so many different ways to give birth in the United States, especially. And there's different appealing factors for different people, but then there's also different situations that come up. And we're just really lucky to have great skilled practitioners who dedicate their lives to 
learning how to use these interventions the best way possible and the safest way possible, and other ones who dedicate their lives to working with low-risk clients in more natural ways. We just really get to benefit a lot from it, especially we're kind of spoiled here in Los Angeles. But in the U.S. in general, I think these options are becoming more and more available and, you know, for each person to have a variety of choices instead of just one way. Uh, Tamara, I'm uh, very, very happy for you. Um, that your smile on the face, it just lights up the world right now that I'm seeing that nobody else can see. Um, I'm <laughs> telling you at home, the world is brighter because of Tamara's smile. And I'm just a little sad that you had the baby because I got to hang out with you all the time. Well, I definitely want to come back and see you soon. And the whole reason I was always calm and happy is because anytime I walked into your office in pain, I left not in pain. Uh-huh. Like that's your magic. It's insane. And I tell my pregnant friends now, I'm like, if you're in pain, you don't have to be. So this whole like, yeah, you should be in pain thing. That's not a thing. Yeah. Where people come in sometimes at 37 weeks, having been in bad pain for 10, 12 weeks. And then after one or two visits, they feel pretty good. And they're like, I cannot believe. (laughs) I waited this long. Yeah, because why did I do that? You're so right. The word on the street is pregnancy must be painful and terribly uncomfortable. And, you know, for a large part, it doesn't have to be. Nobody believes me when I say that, but you lived it. So, one, I feel like I've had different things come up at every stage of the pregnancy this time and last time. And after getting to go to you last time, knowing that, like, you don't have to have sciatica the whole time, you don't have to deal with weird things in your neck or upper back or lower back, or if you have a random pain in your foot, like, it's crazy. Like, it, can be gone. <laughs> wow, you're selling me pretty well. I, I sort of want to come see me myself. Well, I only want to have kids as long as I can see you the entire time I'm pregnant and post. That's the only way I'll have more kids. I'm here for you. If that's what it takes, <laughs> I'm sticking around until you're done having kids. All right. I'm glad you're going to come back afterwards. You know, chiropractors always say we're glad to see your back. Well, you were honestly so helpful in my recovery last time. And I can already kind of feel my alignment is definitely off because my body's been changing. And after seeing you, I can breathe easier and function better. And I know it's so important because obviously now I have two little people. Yeah. You got more people depending on you. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see you for the recovery postpartum portion as well. I'm ready. Thanks so much for sharing your story and for appearing on what used to be my mother's favorite podcast. Is this Informed Pregnancy Podcast. For five years in a row, I won the top spot in my mother's podcast listening category, but I've been replaced. And <laughs> my mother now has a new favorite podcast, and it is none other than my 10-year-old son, Hootie. He loves more than anything in the whole world, certainly more than me. He loves food. And he just saw me getting all this stuff in the mail because of my podcast. So all these like supplements and pregnancy pillows and nursing bras and i have so much nipple butter i could never all possibly use it myself i'll send some over your way (laughs) and he's like dad if i do a podcast about food are people just gonna send me food i'm like yeah pretty much you know if it gets big enough so he started a podcast called hootie the foodie and it's actually quite entertaining and informative so i don't blame my mother i am now her second favorite podcast but i don't know maybe when she hears this episode we'll win her back over I mean, I don't think I compete with Hootie the Foodie, but I mean, I'm going to subscribe to both. Okay, that's good. We could could tie. We can call it a a toss-up. It's a Um, tie for me. (laughs) All right. Thanks again. At home, thanks for listening to us. 
I am uh, super grateful. I should say, I never really look at Yelp or Apple Podcasts where people can leave comments about the work that I do or the podcasts that we make because my Jewish anxiety um, makes it like I see one bad review and I'm up for six nights in a row. But I happen to look at the reviews in Apple Podcasts about our podcast and there's some really, really sweet, meaningful reviews. And now I've dedicated, even though I'm terrified to look at reviews, I'm going to look at them all the time because it means a lot to me that not only do you listen, but you take time to go out and write how you feel about our podcast. Your feedback is super welcome, any constructive feedback always. But I was almost in tears reading how the people were saying that the podcast was so helpful to them in terms of being informative or encouraging or supportive. And that's why I'm so grateful to you, Tamara, for coming and others like you to share your story and also grateful to the audience for listening and sharing us. Anyway, yeah. I was going to tell you that one of your podcast episodes was extremely helpful to me because got him diagnosed with a lip tie and ended up seeing a specialist because of your episode. I was like, I kind of was like, oh, this isn't normal. Normal is not the right word, but it didn't feel right. And I was just watching everything. And after just hearing that information, it just made me want to dig a little deeper. And I was in a pretty bad spot before he got it fixed and now we're in a very smooth place yeah and also that guest dr chelsea binto is just so i mean she's a young mom herself and she's just passionate and brilliant and yeah if you're not sure it's definitely a good one to listen to but wait till you hear my back-to-back before and episodes with tamara ray you're gonna love that (laughs) all right time to go find us online we're instagram at d-o-c-t-o-r-v-e-r-l-i-n and you're at tamara ray is that right Hey, Tamara Ray. Hey. Hey, Tamara Ray. Hey, Tamara Ray and (laughs) Dr. Berlin. Peace out. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a whole lot.